The reason it's called a hierarchy of needs is because you have to tackle the needs in priority order. Um, so the needs at a high level are like publish great content, um, grow an audience, and then eventually make a living online. So you obviously cannot make a living without having an audience. You can't have an audience if you don't publish great content. I'm Jesse Clemens, and this is Creator Kit, where each week we shine the spotlight on awesome new tools and services for the creator economy and unpack how they might help you grow your creator business faster. Creator Kit is presented by Highbeam. Highbeam solves message overload for creators by organizing and prioritizing DMs and comments in one unified workspace, so you never miss an important message again. You can find us at highbeamapp.com. On this excellent episode of Creator Kit, we talk to Peter Yang. Peter writes a very popular newsletter focused on the creator economy, and he also happens to have built products for creators at companies like Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and more. On today's show, we talk about a framework that Peter developed called the Creator Hierarchy of Needs and about a very powerful planning exercise for creators called the Creator Lean Canvas and much, much more. Let's get to it. All right. Hey, Peter. Hey. Thank you so much for joining Creator Kit Podcast. Yeah. Great to be here. You and I uh, became friends, I guess it was like October of last year in a few of the creator economy builders communities. But I first saw your name from your Twitter account where you had started publishing some really cool uh, frameworks and, and thought pieces about the creator economy space. You've been in an absolute tear publishing a ton of thought leadership pieces and our audience being creators who are looking to discover new ways of, of growing their businesses would probably really benefit from hearing uh, about some of your thoughts. So you got a ton going on. As I mentioned, you write quite frequently via your creator economy Substack. You also run a cohort based course that I am a, I guess, would you say I'm an alumni? I went through the course. Yeah, I'm an alumni, uh, and there's a fantastic community that has come along with that called Build for Creators. When did you discover that creators were your passion and what you wanted to build for? I think I love the creator economy because as a typical Asian American, I spent most of my life seeking permission from people, right? I, I mm -hmm. Permission to get good grades, go to an Ivy League school, to go to like a name brand job. You know, we both went to Facebook. And, um, and I think a couple of years ago, I, I kind of realized that you don't, you don't need permission to learn and create something that the world appreciates. You know, you just go straight to your customer. And I, I think anyone can be a creator uh, regardless of who, who you are. You just need to find something you're passionate about and share stuff around a niche and find the audience on the internet that values you, you know, become a creator has changed my life. So, you know, my mission will be to help anyone uh, make a living doing what they love online, being a creator. Mm -hmm. I forget when you were at Facebook, it was a few years back now, were you working on creator stuff or did that start when you went to Twitch? Yeah, I was actually, uh, I was working on the public figure team and we built an app for public figures. And uh, before I left Facebook, I was working on the live video team which cool. is also very relevant for creators. And I know, you know, as a, as a product leader, you also published uh, or self-published a book, which fall, definitely falls into the category of permissionless creating. Have you transitioned from doing like more formal ebooks type stuff over fully to Substack? I think I worked on that book because 
I couldn't become a PM for like three years. I, I just couldn't make it past the in interview loop. <laughs> and mm -hmm. after I finally became a PM for a few years, I wanted to share uh, my process and my learning because I know other people are going through the same journey. From a creator perspective, it's probably not a good idea to publish an entire book as your first cre creation. It's a lot of work with like very minimal feedback in the process. Yeah. So yeah, so if I could do it again, and you know what I'm focused on now is just using Twitter, using Substack, and putting my thoughts out there on a more regular basis, you, you get a much better feedback loop that way um, yeah. in terms of what the customers actually want. I was thinking like when you mentioned the difference in experiencing and publish types, I was thinking about how groundbreaking it was when mm. Kanye West uh, dropped, I forget which, which, which of his previous albums it was, but instead of publishing a finished form album, he like kept updating the album after publishing it, which is a, a different way to experiment with a format that has traditionally been seen as totally static. I guess back to our like core audience of creators, uh, musicians certainly fall into the category of creators, but creators at large, experimentation is such an important part of the process. I wanted to turn to a piece that you wrote called the creator hierarchy of needs. The thing that stuck out to me was about experimentation. When I learned, worked at Facebook, I learned a lot about like rapid testing and iteration, sort of similar to what you're just saying about publishing the book versus publishing newsletters. Maybe we can start with the concept of experimentation uh, and and talk a little bit about the hierarchy of needs piece. So if you're just getting started as a creator, you know you have to find that niche, right? Maybe you have three or four different interests that you can talk about, but you don't really know what resonates the most with the people out there. So in the beginning, you just have to uh, experimentation as a not not necessarily running a a b test or anything, but just like pub publishing content that you're personally passionate about. And, and seeing what kind of content resonates the most with an audience. The reason it's called a hierarchy of needs is because you have to tackle the needs in priority order. So the needs at a high level are like publish great content, um, grow an audience, and then eventually make a living online. So you obviously cannot make a living without having an audience. You can't have an audience right. if you don't publish great content. Right. So in the beginning, you're not going to have an audience. Like the first... Six months, I started tweeting online. It was kind of tweeting into a void, right? No, no one was paying attention. I've, and, I've been there uh, and I've done that. That that must have been a scary first six months. Uh, I mean, you also have different expectations in the first few months. Like if I get one or two likes, then I'm very happy. So yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, kind of tweeting to a void, trying different things. And then eventually you have like one or two hits and, and then you, know, you need to look at, okay, what kind of content actually is resonating with my audience? So both, both from a quality perspective, like talking to them, and also from a quant perspective, looking at the insights and the metrics. The sequential part of it is really important. We'll, we'll definitely link out into the article in show notes, but for those that are just listening, the visual is, is a pyramid hierarchy, and the publish, grow, monetize are, are basically in the order from bottom to top. There, there's a bunch of advice at each stage of the way. The reason that I'm, I wanted to talk about this today is because the theme of the show is, as its name would suggest, Creator Kit. It's all about different tools that creators can use. The choices that creators have are ex almost exponentially increasing. And what you did in your hierarchy of needs was kind of place this process alongside a process of selecting different tools and selecting different um, methods to use as a creator to grow, which works really, really well when you think about like, 
each creator being in their different stage and different mindset? I, I think my general advice as a product manager, you have to start with what the problem is before you jump to the solution or the tool. So I, I think as, as a creator, you need to think about, okay, the problem as in like, what kind of content formats do I enjoy publishing? Who my target audience is or what is my vertical? And then you can pick the tool after that, right? Like for, for example, you know, I'm probably much better at writing than <laughs> producing videos. And I enjoy writing short pieces that are pretty easy to read and like pretty easy to understand. Mm -hmm. So that's why I chose Twitter and Substack as my publishing platform. Start with the start with the niche and start with the content format and then pick tools based on that. It'll help you narrow down your tools much better than looking at the sea of like thousands of creator companies. I think that's really good advice. And one thing that you said earlier that resonated with me that I'm curious how these two things jive together is like if a creator is learning what works and what doesn't from the audience for the audience, there may mm. be a shift in like content type from video to podcasting to newsletters to Twitter to TikTok, et cetera. That that seems fairly likely or kind of like a broadening of the different tools they use. And it's interesting to think about how the medium might shift or the or the the um, actual content might shift or they both might shift. Yeah, so it's, I, I think it's all about balance, right? Like you don't wanna be um, right off the bat trying to make like four different platforms work. That's probably too much. Mm. But at the same time, you wanna be flexible. And if you see your audience is resonating with certain content formats or certain platforms, you wanna be flexible enough to be able to make the adjustment. Like even now, like I'm still learning what kind of content resonates with my audience. Sometimes I put like life advice out there. <laughs> I, I, I spend like, you know, a couple hours writing this stuff and like no one cares. And um, you know, when I post just like <laughs> Wait, a random do, meme. Wait, did, did crypt, crypto and NFT tweets, do those count as life advice or is that no, a different that, category? No, that, that's more like speculation. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I think people people like enjoy my meme content and like some of my shit posting content more, which, For <laughs> which sure. is just what people like. But I, I think another thing, another thing that I learned from Twitch is that you also have to think about your own mental health. Just because your audience likes one type of content, if you just spend all your time doing that, you'll probably go crazy, right? Like if I spend all, all my time mm -hmm. tweeting product management advice, I'll probably go crazy. I think Ninja said, you know, Ninja is like, you know, this famous streamer. He's like, you know, he used to play Fortnite all the time. It just gets old after a while. It's like, <laughs> you just want to play some different games. So yeah. you definitely have to balance your mental health with what the audience wants too. I never thought of it that way, but it's something that's totally unique to the creator economy and, and, and creators as entities and creators as businesses and brands. Because if you think of creators as a new type of brand, it, it's the first time that a brand can actually have multiple voices or multiple interests or multiple personalities as all humans do. And it's actually not that surprising to see a variety of different interests come for a creator within reason you want to know what to expect but yeah. first like i don't know warby parker like you know what you're gonna get if you're signed up to a warby parker newsletter and if they were you know suddenly interested in soccer balls like instead of eyeglasses that just wouldn't happen so it's another yeah. cool and unique thing about this removal of gatekeepers and the empowerment of the individual voice that actually creates a totally different experience even within a single creator entity. Yeah, remember the goal is to help people make a living doing what you love. And you know, if you mm. end up doing something that you don't love, then it's kind of like just having another job. Speaking of creators earning a living, we know that not all creators necessarily want to earn a full-time living. Some may just want to publish and 
enjoy the process as their only motivation, but many creators want to monetize. And you publish this amazing piece within the Build for Creators course that was about applying something called the Lean Canvas to um, to creator products. And it was an interesting translation of what's kind of sort of like a widely known framework within startup communities that we should probably explain like on, on its basic level for the audience. But you applied it to creator builders and companies in the creator space. And as we were discussing this thing, it, it struck me that the advice about the different steps in the process could actually apply to creators themselves. Would you mind sort of explaining what it is, uh, maybe starting with the original and then how it can translate into these two um, constituencies, I guess? So the original one is, is this framework called Lean Canvas. It's kind of like a business plan for your startup, but instead of like a business plan, what I like about it is that it's just like one page and you just have to fill in the boxes on the page and you can like give like an overall view of what your plan is, what kind of customer problem you're solving for people, who is the competition, uh, what is your value prop, and how you plan to grow and how you plan to make money, and also eventually kind of defend yourself against new entrants, right? So I, I think it totally applies to creators because creators at the end of the day are just like small businesses, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not like a tech startup, but like they're trying to make a living on the internet or wherever they are. So basically the framework has eight steps and maybe let's talk about how they apply to creators. The first step is like really who is your customer? Like who are you trying to build for or who are you trying to create content for? So it's all about like picking a niche where you have expertise, where there's like market demand and kind of going down that path, right? Second step is once you know who, then you got to figure out what is the thing that they need the most? What, what kind of content do they want the most or what kind of advice do they want the most? Like what is their burning problem? that you are trying to solve with your content. Uh, the third step is competition, right? So like who else is solving this problem for these customers? And uh, that leads to the fourth step, which is, okay, if there's like a bunch of other creators solving this problem, how are you gonna be different, you know? Like, um, right. like okay, like may maybe there's a bunch of people writing super long art articles about the tech industry. So maybe how you're going to be different is like your article is actually five minute read, but captures like some of the yeah. points, right? And then number five is how you're going to get your first 1,000 fans. A lot of that is just like very tactical stuff, just like what a company does, doing things that don't scale. Yeah. So you have to like post in a bunch of groups, message boards, or like, you know, try to figure out who your first 1,000 fans are. Then number six is you have to have a growth loop. You have to have stuff that kind of builds off each other and starts like a flywheel. Um, so for example, if you look at some of these creators, I'll, I'll just use like the Substack writer again, right? They have a Twitter that they grow that helps get their Substack. And then they have the sub Substack helps them meet interesting people and maybe they start a podcast. And they all kind of like build off each other. They're all like all, all the different pieces help each other grow. Then the last two steps are how are you going to make money and how are you going to how are you going to build like a sustainable competitive advantage? Like for creators, yeah. a lot of that is just tied to like your brand and like who, who, who you are. Mm -hmm. How are you going to defend yourself against new entrants? And defend yourself from other uncontrollable elements that impact your business. Like, you know, exactly. the topic for creators are, are, you know, control over distribution. Yeah. And, and you have a great piece on rent versus owned communities. I love this lean canvas format for creators. 
I think I'm, I'm going to have to uh, sit down with it and do it for the podcast itself because mm. it's really an exercise that forces clarity of thought. And especially for creators that are just getting started, you mm. have to think about your decisions consciously. Yeah, it kind of forces you to think about the whole picture. I mean, yeah. without making you write like a 20 page plan or something. It's, you know, right. So, right. So yeah. It's it's step like that's the I guess the lean part of the lean canvas is it's pretty lightweight. Yep. I wanted to ask you two questions that we ask all of our guests, sort of as mm. pop questions. The first is Who's your favorite creator? I'll give you a like professional one, like a fun one. So a professional one, I recently really enjoy watching Gary Tan's YouTube channel. Like Gary yes. Tan's like this like um, top investor, and he gives a lot of really good advice on building your career, like charting your own path. I, I really love watching that. The more fun one is I like this channel called Video Game Donkey. <laughs> it's pretty famous. It's like a guy who just makes these funny and satirical video game love reviews it. and like clips. love it. It's really fun to watch. Yeah. I got to check out Video Game Donkey. Amazing. Yeah. Do you have any wild or crazy predictions for the creator economy space or for creators in general? I mean, most people notice by now, I think the Web3 thing is coming and mm. is here to stay. And if, if you're a creator, I, I encourage you to at least research the space and play around in it. Because at the end of the day, Web3 is about giving power back to the creator and the fans and you know taking power away from platform, which is very beneficial to the creator. So definitely spend time to dabble in what is going on. And for those that aren't familiar with the term, would I be accurate in saying Web3 is essentially the intersection of crypto and content? Exactly. It's like NFTs, it's like tokens, DAOs, like all, all, all this stuff. But uh, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot happening every, every day. But I think it's good to kind of like understand the basics. Man, you've given us a ton of gems today. We really appreciate it. We'll certainly link out to all the content we talked about on the podcast today and, and to your uh, your various handles so people can find you. But give us a quick shout. Uh, where's the best place for people to read your stuff or reach out to you or find you in general? Yeah, probably on Twitter, like um, Peter G. Yang is my handle or my blog is creatoreconomy.so. Awesome, yeah. man. Have a great day. Thank you so much. This was amazing and hope to talk to you soon. Cool, Jesse. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was fun. That wraps this excellent episode of Creator Kit. If you like this episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a huge difference to us and it just takes a click. Creator Kit is brought to you by Highbeam, the message management solution for creators. For more creator resources, visit us at highbeamapp.com or follow us on Twitter. See you next week.